0: Well, welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we conclude our series in the letter of 2 Timothy, so please turn there. We've entitled this series, Guard the Faith, and this is our final message, and the title of the message this morning is, Our Faithful God. And our text is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to 22, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to to twenty-two. As you're turning there, let me tell you that we sang one of my favorite songs of all time this morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And I love Stephen Miller's version because he adds that bridge that was so passionate at the end. Remember that? Jesus, you're faithful when all has gone wrong. Steadfast in mercy when I wander off. You carry me into and out of the storm. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. I don't know about you, but there are some mornings when it's harder for me to sing that last line than others. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Maybe it's one of those mornings when all has gone wrong, or at least all seems to be going wrong, or at least not going the way I would like it to go. Or maybe it's one of those mornings when you feel like the Lord has carried you into a storm, but he hasn't yet carried you out of the storm. Or it's a morning when your heart is just sort of wandering off. It's easy to do, isn't it? And it's on those mornings where we can be most tempted to think, Is he faithful? Is God faithful when all is seemingly going wrong? Is God faithful to carry me into and out of the storm. We, we need God's word that is provided to us in 2 Timothy 4, 9-22, to on just those kind of mornings. And I pray that his word would encourage you this morning that even when you, even when I, even when we start wandering off, his mercy, his steadfast mercy... And steadfast love comes and seeks us and gently brings us back as a shepherd would that little lamb that wanders off into danger. God is faithful. Let us read about his faithfulness now in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to 22. You there? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to 22. Do your best to come to me soon for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. And the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth. And I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be to you. Trust is a fragile thing. Just a few things going wrong can shake it. When things don't go as planned, when all seems to be going wrong, our trust in God's faithfulness and our trust in others can be shaken. A storm can tempt us to doubt God's faithfulness and doubt others. Opposition betrayal, abandonment can all shake our confidence in God's trustworthiness and his faithfulness. And so when that happens, God comes to us with this word this morning from 2nd Timothy chapter four verses nine to 22. And here's what he says to us. Here's the summary statement of this text on the screen. God stands with us and strengthens us To proclaim his word together. God stands with us. And strengthens us. To proclaim his word together. Point one. God stands with us. When others abandon us. God stands with us. The context for Paul. Declaring God's faithfulness. Is one of abandonment. Betrayal. He's been left alone. But in that context, God speaks, or excuse me, Paul speaks of God's faithfulness. He says, God stood with me. Look at the abandonment that Paul had to deal with. Verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon. Verse 10 now. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. Demas we know from Scripture, was a co-worker with Paul. Maybe he had been traveling with Paul for over 20 years, but he loved the world more than he loved the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he just left. You ever have any friends of 20 years just leave? Most often, they fall in love with something or someone as primary in their life other than God. And when that happens, they typically will leave. And it hurts. Demas was a dear friend. He suffered with Paul. He sat next to Paul as Paul received the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write much of the scriptures in the New Testament. And yet he's gone in Paul's darkest hour. If you look here at verse 16. Amazing verse. Verse 16. At my first defense... No one stood with me. No one came to stand by me. What is this first defense? We're not exactly sure, but we know this, that Paul was awaiting execution as a terrorist, as an enemy of the state. So it may have been his defense before Caesar in Rome. It may have been his defense before some other magistrate. But here's the point. Paul stood all alone. It was tough to stand with Paul. Can you imagine going down to the courthouse now and stand with someone who's accused of a horrible crime against the state, uh, accused as a traitor against the country? Are you going to stand with him? A lot of people chose not to. Some people couldn't because they just couldn't get there. But Paul stood all alone. And then there were those that just outright opposed Paul. Look at verse 14. Alexander, verses 14 and 15. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. So here is Paul. He has been abandoned by some of his best friends. There are those who have chosen to love the world rather than love the Lord and his coming, and they're gone. And before the very first defense at the court, he's all by himself, and there's opposition from men like Alexander who opposed his message. And Paul in that context, says amazing thing here in verse 17. Look at it with me again. But the Lord stood by me. Where did Paul get this conviction? He got it from Scripture. And we must receive it from that same source. Now, jot these scriptures down for use later today when you feel like all have abandoned you, when you feel like you've been led into the storm but not yet out of it. Remember what the scripture says. God will not leave you, dear Christian. Let me take a moment to just say, dear non-Christian, thank you for coming. Thank you so much. I pray you would repent and believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And as you do that, and God gives you the grace to do that and calls you to that, here's the assurance. Jesus will be with you forever because he's chosen you and he's made you righteous. You will go through difficult times, but you won't go through them alone. And if you're feeling particularly alone and you are not a believer, oh, friend, God by his grace is here in Christ through his spirit. But dear believer, here is the truth that the word teaches us. Deuteronomy thirty-one six. This is what Paul was thinking of when he wrote verse 17. God speaking to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And Jesus spoke this to us. And certainly Paul remembered the words of Jesus recorded by John, though John had not yet written this. Those words had been spoken through oral tradition. Paul was aware of this. Jesus' teaching right before he was crucified and buried said the following in John 14, 16 to 18. Jesus speaking, and I will ask the Father, And he will give you another helper. That's the Holy Spirit who is with us here today. To be with you forever. To be with you how long? Forever. Dear Christian, forever. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Oh, friend, if you are not a Christian and you are in the world and you do not know Christ, I pray God would give you open eyes and you would humble yourself and repent and believe because the world cannot know this Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit who is with us forever, but in Christ, he is given to us because of Christ's righteousness, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. And will be in you. There's the promise. Verse 18 I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. If you feel orphaned right now, if you feel because of difficulties or things not going the way you would like them to go or storms that you're in, you can often feel abandoned and like an orphan. That's a horrible thing. But God himself has adopted you. He's gone a distance that no one could ever go. He became man. He died for you. He rose for your forgiveness. He ascended into heaven. Jesus is interceding for us. And he will never, ever, ever orphan you. He will not... Leave you alone. That is true. Even if, like Paul, you are in a prison awaiting execution, God will not leave you alone. Do you hear that? Even if others leave you alone, even if you feel abandoned, God in Christ will not leave you alone. He will be with you forever. And then Paul himself probably some 10 years earlier, wrote a letter to the Romans and he said this in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 to 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus, our Lord. Amen? This was Paul's conviction. This is what led him to write verse 17. And this is what God wants to minister to us this morning through this text by his spirit. Is this your conviction, dear friend? I pray that it would be. Now, one implication of believing that God will never abandon us, that he will stand by us, is this. We can be gracious with those who abandon us. Look at verse 16b. Paul writes the following. May it not be charged against them. May it not be charged against them. They weren't there for me. They abandoned me. I stood by myself in that first defense. But then he says, may the Lord not charge it against them. It has echoes of what Christ said on the cross when he was hanging there dying for our sins in agony. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is what God does when he changes us, when he is with us in Christ and he gives us this grace. He enables us to be Christ-like. You may be struggling right now with maybe some bitterness toward those who've abandoned you. I don't know. You may be wondering. You may be angry. I don't know what you're going through. I know that can be a temptation for me. But because God has assured me that he's with me forever, I can say, may the Lord not charge it against them. What freedom. But perhaps the greatest implication of understanding that God stands with us, is that we are then able to stand with one another. This is a key point here. And we see it throughout these final verses of 2 Timothy 4. We see the richness of the grace of relationships that Paul mentions with his true brothers and sisters in Christ. We see it in verse 9. He writes to Timothy, some 1,400 miles away in Ephesus, in modern-day Turkey. And he says, do your best to come to me soon. That's it's not like Timothy could go online and get like a real quick ticket from Ephesus to Rome on southwest air and be there in three hours. No way. We're talking several weeks, maybe months of travel, very dangerous travel. But he says, listen, God is with me, and so I'm with you and you're with me. Come, come see me. Skipping down, he tells Timothy to bring his cloak. You see that in verse 13? When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. So as you're coming, go by Troas, pick up my cloak. And why does he want him to bring his cloak? Because later he says, Please come before winter. Because it's going to get cold in Rome. And Paul needs his cloak. Nothing more spiritual than that. I have a need, Timothy. Would you come be with me and bring my cloak? Because it's getting cold in this dungeon that I'm in, in Rome. When God communicates to us that he's with us and he never abandons us in Christ, then we begin to communicate to one another and that we're with you and we're able to share with one another our needs. So it goes both ways. We're together in this. Paul trusted God that he stood with him. And so he appealed for Timothy to come be with him. It's beautiful. And Paul requests that Timothy bring someone with him. Look at verse 11b. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very useful to me for ministry. This is the same Mark that 20 years earlier abandoned Paul on the first missionary journey. And Paul said... He's not coming with us on the second missionary journey. And because of that conflict, Paul and Barnabas split up. Barnabas took Mark. Paul took Silas on the second missionary journey. But now 20 years later, God had repaired that relationship because Paul had a heart of grace toward Mark. And 20 years later, he said, listen, bring Mark with me. Get in that boat. Walk over those mountains from Turkey to Rome, Italy. And bring Mark because he's useful to me. What a picture of the transforming grace of the gospel in relationships. If there's someone in your life right now that you are separated from and it hurts, and it may be rather recent, may the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that God will never abandon you, soften your heart so that you would be open graciously toward them. And who knows, maybe in 20 years, you'll be back together again, joyfully. Because this is God's heart. This is the implication that God stands with us, so we stand with one another, even when we work through conflict, and that can be messy at times, but it's a mess worth making we stand together why second point because God strengthens us to proclaim his word together look at verse 17 again with me but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles Now, what is that message? That message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so God stood with Paul so that Paul might preach the gospel, the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Next week, as Corey mentioned, we start our mini-series on the death, resurrection of Christ with Palm Sunday. And on Good Friday, the 14th, we're going to have that service where we'll preach about the crucifixion. Listen, I pray that God strengthen you this week in the midst of all that you're doing and next week that you would send emails, that you would make phone calls, that you would send texts, you would send WhatsApps, you would send carrier pigeons, whatever you want to use, if you're old school, whatever. And you would invite people. You would say, God, strengthen me to proclaim the message of Christ because this message is the only message of hope in this season, in any season. But people are open to it this season. May God strengthen us to do that together as we seek his ability to invite others, just as these men and women did. Look at verse 10b. In contrast to Demas loving the world and abandoning Paul to go to Thessalonica, we have a series of individuals who actually were sent out from Paul. They didn't abandon Paul. They were sent out by Paul to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. And on the screen is a map. And I'd like to let you know where these individuals went. So Paul is on the far left-hand corner. You see Italy there, the boot. He's in Rome. Just to the right of Italy, you have modern-day Greece. And just to the right of modern-day Greece, you have Turkey kind of sticking out there. And so these these areas are where these men went to, sent out by Paul, strengthened by the Holy Spirit, to proclaim the gospel. Look at old Cretans. Great name, Cretans. If you're going to have a son, consider that name. Verse 10b, Cretans has gone to Galatia, which is a modern-day Turkey on the far right. You see Galatia there, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. How about Titus? Titus went to Dalmatia. Dalmatia is right across the Aegean Sea from Italy, just to the right of the boot, the the Greek peninsula. Dalmatia is right there. He went there to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. An old Tychicus. Great name, Tychicus. If you don't go with Cretans, go with Tychicus. Paul sent Tychicus over to if Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, where it says Asia there, just below that word Asia, to replace Timothy so that Timothy can then come to Rome and bring Paul's cloak and bring Paul's books and bring his parchments. They're being sent out to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Erastus. Erastus remained in Corinth. So apparently Erastus has been ministering in Corinth, which is at the bottom of of the Greek peninsula, where it says Athens there, uh, there's Corinth. And then Trophimus. It's interesting when he says about Trophimus. Trophimus, Paul left ill in Miletus. Trophimus, Paul left this man ill in Miletus. Miletus is on the coast of modern-day Turkey on the far right there. It's a, it was a coastal city. It's where Paul stopped to pray with the elders of Ephesus. So Trophimus apparently was strengthened to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he was in Miletus, he got really, really sick. He got a bug. Or maybe worse. And he was so sick he couldn't travel. But here's a man who went and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the appeal to us, church. This Sunday morning. That... We would receive the grace of God, as it says in verse 22, to be strengthened, to know that he stands with us, to know that he strengthens us, to proclaim the gospel together. Look at verse 22. The Lord be with your spirit. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with You Grace with us, dear brothers and sisters. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to proclaim his word faithfully. Grace to trust that God is faithful. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And grace to come together, even though it's difficult at times, to proclaim the word of Jesus Christ. I think it's very appropriate that we're going to be ending this sermon and this book celebrating a new member Sunday. We get the opportunity this morning to welcome in... Some of the people that 2,000 years later, God is adding to his church. People like, in verse 19, Prisca and Aquila and Onesiphorus. These, these folks that he's greeting, pudens Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers... And we add some more names to that this morning. Those who have been strengthened by God to proclaim his word. Those who stand with with God and God stands with them and they stand together to proclaim his word. The long line of all those people is being added to this morning at Palm Vista Community Church. Their names are a little more known than Putin's and Linus. They're Justin and Rachel. But it's the same Lord, it's the same spirit, it's the same message, it's his body We're still being led into storms, and sometimes we're still in, hoping to be led out, but trusting our faithful God. At times, we're still having very, very difficult times with those who oppose us. Things aren't going the way we want, but God stands with us, and God unites us to proclaim his word together. So, let us transition, church. I think it's very appropriate here. And let us welcome new members, shall we? So if we can start that. I'd like to introduce to you these new members who are joining us this morning and at the end of my time we're going to have them come forward and we're going to pray for them.